0: It's was like a god walking amongst mere mortals. Go get it, dog. I'm a man! He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. I is sitting on a firecracker. And suits so fine, they
1: made Sinatra look like a hobo. It's a fantastic day for the United States of America. It's a Bill King show.
2: Red 7!
1: I don't know what Red 7 means. Brought to you by Omni Nashville Hotel. Fifth Avenue Downtown. Hot Rod! That's what we call a sack lunch! I do have a very particular set of skills. Skills.
0: Oregon State actually had a really good year this past year. But but still, that doesn't move the needle. Anyways, TJ with us every Thursday. TJ Pittenger down in Tampa. We'll let you know how you can get all this content. TJ, it just came up, so I might as well just start here. John Skipper, former head of ESPN, suggested in some podcast, maybe the ACC could get more money if they merged with the Pac-12. I'm not sure I like that idea, but what do you think?
2: yeah I think that sounds like a terrible idea. <laughs> I was trying to think of like some kind of analogy that'd be really like well drawn out and really funny to make everybody laugh this Thursday morning, but I think that's probably funny enough, right like you know if 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 one you know the solution to something dying is not to pair it with something else dying it just doesn't make sense at all you know like you, you yeah, so I don't know I think that's a that's a pretty 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 brutal idea. Uh, I, again, I, I don't think two dying things marrying each other all of a sudden uh, bring them back to life in in any way. Uh, you know, you you don't you don't have two conferences that clearly uh, have very little value on on the front and say like, oh, okay, well here's two things that have little value. Uh, now all of a sudden they they have great value. So yeah, I I think that's a that's far fetched
0: for sure. Maybe we would name it the Misery Loves Company League.
2: How about that? Yeah. Maybe. Uh, wait, what's, uh, what's, uh, whenever you had a test or you had questions or whatever in school, it was, you know, ABCD and then just anything else, just miscellaneous, the others. I think it would certainly, that conference would feel like the others for sure. TJ with us each and
0: every Thursday. What's the latest down there? Any, any football news to
2: talk about? Yeah. So spring practice started on Monday, you know. Getting, getting underway. Yesterday was day two. So just, you know, very light stuff. Nothing really crazy just yet. I'll tell you there's some guys that have really stood out, though. That Jaheim Bell, who transferred from South Carolina, he was one of the top transfers in the portal this year. It seems like everybody Florida State got was one of the top transfers in the portal. Uh, Jaheem Bell has certainly impressed in his brief time in Tallahassee, hearing really, really good things about Finchrell Cypress, the cornerback from Virginia. Um, I really – just has the look of a of a cornerback one and really should help kind of solidify that defense, that secondary that had some issues, had some struggles, um, hearing good things on Daryl Jackson, who transferred in from um, Miami at defensive tackle. They really like how the offensive line transfers have looked. And so it's only a couple of days in. They've, they've done their tour of duty. They've done their mad drills. But there's a good camaraderie. There's a good uh, – around the program they know what the expectations are this year they know what they need to live up to they know what they need to do and it's just kind of a grind to get to september but early positive returns uh, out of spring camp yeah bell is a
0: big i mean six two, about 210 215 receiver. I mean, you can get in the ball a lot of different ways. He is a spectacular athlete.
2: I think he gets a lot
0: of play next year.
2: Yeah, and he really looks like he could just absolutely line up anywhere on the field. You know, he looks like he could line up at you know, linebacker, defensive end. He is just built different, right? And I know that phrase gets tossed around way too much and is way too cliche, but he moves so well for his size. Um, there's a reason South Carolina lined him up absolutely everywhere from the slot to tight end to in the backfield to wherever, just a phenomenal athlete. And I think what's going to be big for him is that he's coming into an offense that already was top 10, right? Florida State's offense was really freaking good last year, returns just about everybody, right? Loses an offensive lineman or two, loses their second, you know, second running back, but kind of had a three headed monster back there anyway. uh, You know, not having to be the guy because there's a lot of talent already there with Trey Benson and John Wilson, and you get Winston Wright, and you pull in five-star Hakeem Williams and Micah Pittman, and, you know, oh, don't forget, Heisman hopeful Jordan Travis. And So I think being able to, I don't know, it's not going to be a secret weapon with how athletic he is and how talented he is, but just not having to be the guy it will probably take a little bit of pressure off and let him really shine in this offense. T.J. Pittenger checks in with us on Thursdays
0: what do they want to get – I mean, a lot of this team is back. A lot of of the significant members of the football team, they're back. Are they being protected? And this is more about the youth movement this spring?
2: You know, there's a few guys sitting out of practice. But I I think it's, you know, Braden Fisk, one of the top defensive line transfers. Again, not to to run down Florida State's success in the portal, but it, it bears repeating, I suppose. Um, he, he came in and had a little bit of uh, surgery, had an arm cleaned up a little bit. Like, he won't be practicing. But, yeah, I, I think a lot of it is finding out what your depth pieces are, finding out how you play together. Like you said, Florida State brings back the most production in college football. We put a video out a couple of weeks ago about that. And so I don't think there's a lot of, like, retooling. or You know, you're not implementing a new system. The only new coach on the on the roster or on the staff is uh, Passer Tain at, at defensive backs. And so – You know, most of the team, they know what they need to do. They've been in the system for multiple years now. You brought in a few key transfers, and I think they brought in nine transfers total. And you're trying to kind of retool some of those guys, but three of those were on the – they're very spread out, so it's not like you've got brand-new position groups or anything like that. Yeah, I think a lot of it's just trying to acclimate the transfers a little bit. Hey, can we get a little bit better through spring? We were already really, really good last year, finished top ten. But can we just take a little bit of a step forward in spring, get to know each other a little bit better, get some of these young guys some burn, some play, and see how they're going to fit in to what the depth looks like this year? Florida State had a really good, you know, starting 11 to maybe 15 on both offense and defense. But their depth last year wasn't phenomenal by any means, right? Like once you got past that one deep, once you got into that two deep, There was quite a drop-off, and I just don't think there is much anymore. I think they can go two and even three deep at most positions, which is going to help them when they get into those brutal stretches in the middle of the year when guys are hurt, banged up, and you're waiting on guys to come back from injury. That really sunk their year last year when they played uh, Wake, NC State, and Clemson. Their toughest three opponents, the most banged up that they were, the most injured that they were, and so the depth this year, and kind of rotating guys in and out, and being able to not have, you know, Fabian Lovett playing ninety percent of the snaps and everything else, I think is going to be really big. So I think it's getting all of that gelling here in the spring, and getting guys ready for what will eventually happen in the fall.
0: Noel cow up in Chicago. Ask T.J. how the other tight end transfer is looking. Now that is the uh, Kyle. Is it Morlock? I believe that's who Kyle that Morlock. Is. Yeah. yeah.
2: So I, again, really early in practice, but I I think they really like what they have in him. And and I don't, you know, I think there will be a little bit of a transition time from, he was playing to a smaller college. uh, But I mean, you, you, you know, guy's still six, seven, right? Like I don't care if he was playing in high school last year, six, seven, six, seven, right. And he is just massive, really kind of, you know, really kind of that old school uh, mentality. I mean, he's from the mountains of North Georgia, actually right where we go up to the Blue Ridge area every year for Thanksgiving. So, right near there, um, so he's, you know, very much like country boy, <laughs> you know, throwback type of kid. Um, not not flashy, but just will go out and outwork everybody. I think they're really excited about what they have in him, too. And again, he's got some time to adjust. There's a lot of weapons on this offense. He doesn't have to come in and be the guy. He's probably tight end two behind Jaheim Bell, but I really think he'll have some nice t- some nice plays this year, some nice but I'm excited for him next year. I, you know, I know that that's looking way ahead, and we've got big expectations this year. But I think that next year he could be talked about as one of the top tight ends in college once he's got a year under his belt in the Power Five.
0: Speaking of misery loves company, Florida State lost to Georgia Tech at, there at the end. That, that that ends the season, right? Is that is that kind of fitting?
2: Yeah, and, and did it, you know, kind of the way they would lost other games this year. Had a five-point lead with two minutes to go. You know, I think they were up by, like, I don't know, double digits at halftime. And then just slowly saw it melt away. You know, their depth this year wasn't very good. They, uh, you know, there were there were effort questions, but that was always weird to me because, they you know, they, they'd either be down by 10 or 20 and they'd fight back or they'd have a big lead and blow it. So, I mean, what, what do they care for, like, a half? I don't know. So, I don't know, just not good depth. Not good rotations this year. Not enough ball handling. I mean, you know, pick your poison on you know blame and everything else to go around. You also have a seventy-four, seventy-five year old coach, I believe Coach Ham is. So one of the oldest coaches in in college basketball, and he's obviously been great. But I don't know. I, I tough year for the for the hoops team. You know, when when you know you schedule all those cupcakes out of conference to start the year, and so when they started like zero and five, zero and six against like every single cupcake out there, I, I was. You know, I said at the beginning, like, I have no clue how they'll even get to 10 wins and they fall a the game short. They really should have won that game. I, you know, you're up by five with a couple minutes to go. You, you really should find a way to win that. Uh, but not surprising at all. Probably a fitting into the year um, to lose on, on Tuesday in, in the ACC tournament, something they haven't done in a long time in Tallahassee.
0: And it sounds like everybody's pretty happy with the beginning of the baseball season.
2: Yeah. yeah, a little bit of a little bit of a stumble against Florida Gulf Coast, but FCCU just beat Troy the other day, who was one of the last remaining undefeated teams they're ranked right now. And I believe it's early, we're only a fifth of the way through the year, but I think Florida Gulf Coast has like a top 5 RPI. So, they're not a bad team. It took 2 or 3 from Florida State, but Florida State bounced back and um beat Bethune midweek. Um they've got a they start ACC play this weekend, and I think people are pretty happy I, I think the baseball team probably started a little hotter than people expected, uh, but I do think they're going to have a good year. The ACC is incredibly difficult. I don't predict them to you know, host a super or anything like that. They could host a regional if, if they get hot enough down the stretch. But, um, yeah, I mean, just need to go out and win, win ACC series. So we'll see how this weekend goes, but I'm excited for ACC play to start, and people are pleasantly surprised with, with the Link Jarrett era to start. Tell everybody
0: what they can do to get your content.
2: Yeah, you can search Double Fries No slaw" everywhere, whether that's on YouTube, which is where we do most of our content. You can search it on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, whatever app you're on, check us out. TJ Pittenger on Twitter. Um, yeah, we have a good time. We've got some stuff coming out. We had some stuff come out on the ACC this week, some thoughts of FSU trying to get out. That's the most recent video on our channel, so go check that out. Might have a part two follow-up to that with uh, UNC's AD coming out this week and, and making some comments as well. So, check us out. Good stuff, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. See you next week. There you have it.
0: Ole Miss Evie with us tomorrow. Chris Beard and Ole Miss have been flirting. Nothing for sure there, but there's something going on. And there's going to be a little bit of a backlash there. Yeah. You know how the media's going to go. He was unhired at Texas during this season. But he's also a very good basketball
3: What happens to your decision-making when you drink? Well, after one drink, you feel confident. A few more, and calling your ex at 1 a.m. seems like a great idea. And you're pretty sure the secret to a great taco is four-day-old macaroni. The bottom line, drunk you doesn't make great decisions. So you're risking a DUI or worse if you count on him to get you home. Plan before you party. Get home safe. Paid for by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Hey guys, it's Zach. Gear up for golf at Play It Again Sports in Brentwood and Hendersonville during their March golf sale. Swing in and stock up on their huge selection of new and gently used golf gear and equipment. During their month-long March golf sale, you save 10% on all gently used golf clubs. They have the trained staff to help you find the perfect set of golf clubs, a golf bag, golf balls, or a travel golf carry bag for the upcoming season. And they will also buy the golf gear you're no longer using. That's right, every day, all day, you can get cash on the spot for your underused golf gear. They also buy baseball, lacrosse, football, soccer, disc golf, plate weight, hockey gear, and the treadmill that is transformed into a clothes hanger. If you have gear you no longer use or doesn't fit, trade it in for either cash or for store credit towards your next purchase. And you can trust me. Not only am I a spokesperson, but I'm a customer. You can always find me in the golf section over at the Hendersonville store. Check out Play It Against Sports in Brentwood and Hendersonville. Tell them your friend Zach over here at Nashville Sports Radio sent you. That's Play It Against Sports in Brentwood and Hendersonville. So...
4: Welcome to Smashville. Join us at Bridgestone Arena coming up Thursday, March 16th for St. Patrick's Day as your Nashville Predators take on the Chicago Blackhawks. Make sure you purchase the special St. Paddy's Day pack. It's presented by Corner Pub and it's available now at NashvillePredators.com slash tickets. That's NashvillePredators.com slash tickets. The pack includes two tickets to the game, $20 in Nash cash and $1 Lucky One Scotch Ales at downtown Corner Pub. Starting at just $129. Let's go Preds.
3: There's a weekend in July where the baseball world revolves around a village in upstate New York. Baseball Hall of Fame Induction Weekend in Cooperstown is an unforgettable experience filled with family-friendly activities and priceless moments. Make your plans today for July 21st through the 24th for the induction of Fred McGriff and Scott Rowland as the Class of 2023. Visit BaseballHall.org today for the entire schedule. See you in Cooperstown, where the journey becomes legend.
1: Jim Rome is here weekdays 11 to 2 on Nashville Sports Radio, WNSR. The SEC
2: is for closers, and there's only one way to survive in the SEC, ABC. A-always-B-B-C, closing, always be
4: closing. A-B-C, A-always-B-B-C, closing, always be closing.
1: Jim Rome, 11 to 2 on Nashville's original Sports Radio, WNSR music city todd approved the bill king show
0: about Tennessee team not hitting it what about Vanderbilt last night's game was brutal Vanderbilt might be the worst offensive team in the SEC gonna have to do it with pitching yeah I had it on no I now I lost track of it I got disinterested in about inning 12 I didn't make it through 17 I had it on from about the third or fourth inning all the way through about inning 11 or 12. I did not make it to 17. <laughs> Let me put it this way. By the time I stopped watching Vanderbilt and Evansville, and I had on some basketball on the other TV, but there was nobody behind the plate, meaning in the stands. They'd all cleared out. I don't know who was left there, but – you get all those games on ESPN Plus, which let me say this. I've, I've taken my various shots at ESPN through the years. But ESPN Plus is a very good deal. $10 a month and you get all that programming. Because you wouldn't be able to get Vanderbilt and Evansville, right? You wouldn't be able to get uh, Florida versus Florida International baseball without it. And Now, the quality is not the best. Sometimes the camera angles are a bit iffy. They won't give you the velo. I love, when I'm watching a game, I want, after every pitch, I don't care if it's a slider or a fastball. I don't care if it's a curveball or a changeup. I want the velo. And on those broadcasts, they just don't do it. Now, the velo is there. Sometimes the play-by-play guy will mention it because he'll see it on the scoreboard, but it's not on the television screen. Now, if you get the regular game, it usually is, right? If it's on ESPN or the SEC network, it's going to be there. But those campus broadcast originations aren't going to have it. And that's because – The whole point is to get by on the cheap. A lot of those broadcasts don't even have an analyst. It's just one guy calling the game. So that's the negative there. And if it's really cheap, sometimes you only get, like, one angle. It's from above, behind the catcher. And when a ball's hit to the outfield, it doesn't even – the camera doesn't even travel with the ball. You just are told that was a home run. That's another problem. (laughs) But – all these schools that make this money still get by on the cheap when it comes to this kind of stuff. They do. They do. You, you would be surprised how many of these schools are just so cheap when it comes to areas like that. Other areas they're not. Yeah, other areas they're not. I, I had people that work for the Titans. Now, this is back then, when Bud Adams was alive. And he owned the team, obviously moved him here. And they told me, now, obviously, you have to go out and you have to pay players and you have to go get free agents and all that. But if you needed to order number two pencils, that would get vetoed. Like, you're out of pencils. Or whatever. And whoever was head of the allocation of funds would veto stuff like that. (laughs) Now, I don't know. Patton, are they notoriously cheap like that now, or is that just back then with Bud Adams? She's not afraid to go spend money, is she? Oh, no. Yeah. That's different because uh, Mr. Adams wasn't like that. Notoriously. Alligator arms. Did we lose half a moon? Is he gone? We did, yeah. Yeah. Half a moon is in Coffee Pot Mountain Alaska and couldn't hold. Sorry about that half a moon. Yeah, apologies there. We will go over to South Carolina and check in with Top Water Assassin. Welcome in, sir. Hey buddy,
5: how you doing? Um What's up? two things. Are we sure we're looking at this thing the right way? about, like, the ACC money. I mean, at what point is enough enough? If if I got a 200-foot yacht and then you buy a 400-foot yacht, I still got a 200-foot yacht, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, they just built some massive facility just for the media and guys that have already graduated that want to stay there and, and train for the NFL and some kind of permanent thing for recruits so they can – um not have to sit up every time for their photo shoot, just some kind of permanent thing. I mean, what, what does Clemson or Florida State need, not want, but need that they can't get that Florida or South Carolina can get? It's a good question. I just
0: think it's the cumulative effect of it. I, Clemson, I, I've heard Dabo say, personally, we're going to be fine. I've heard him say that, you know, in the last year. Look, I hear about all this money. We're fine at Clemson. I just think it's the competitive nature of the inequality of the revenue streams. But you're right; it doesn't mean that Clemson and Florida State's going to die at all. I mean, I, I it might make it easier financially for some of these other schools. Now, I guess the only negative would be, and Clemson obviously has a very good revenue stream when it comes to donors as well and all the facilities over the last five to ten years that they've enacted there. But I think it's probably more about not necessarily topwater assassin. We can't pay our bills because we know that's not the case. But it would just be the overall inequality of the league deal
5: we have compared to what the other two have. Yeah, I, I remember reading 10 years ago that, you know, the quality was so bad that Clemps would never be able to keep up with Carolina. That was 10 years ago. The wow. Other thing, um, I was thinking about Sunday night after the brackets come out, like setting up a group thing. Do you, is, if I, you know, and like for me and you and, you know, all the guys that participate or whatever, um, is ESPN, if I did it on ESPN, is that cool or do you have some kind of problem with that because of, Maybe somebody No, else, your no I mean,
0: ESPN and me, we do not get along, and there's, there's a lifelong, well, I don't know about lifelong, but there's a long-time feud there. But no, I don't care about that. No no big deal at all. No, not at all.
5: Uh, all right, so we got to come up with a punishment for whoever comes in last. <laughs> I don't care <laughs> about winning. I just don't want to come in last. <laughs> Maybe Tom and some of those guys can come up with something. But Maybe. I'll set it up, and I'll send you the link Sunday night for, for everybody to get involved.
0: Maybe let, let's put Jeff at the burrow in there. Maybe he'll come in last. How about that?
5: That would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right, buddy. You have a good one. Yep. You too, man.
0: You too. No, I I don't have a – I watch ESPN. I don't watch any of their shows, and I don't watch sports. And that stuff's awful. And those talking shows during the day are just God-forsaken awful. But the events that they – broadcast that I'm interested in, the college football, the college baseball, the college basketball. I love it. I absolutely love it. No core down on the Emerald Coast. Bill, I don't know, kind of selfishly hoping for zombie Pac-12 ACC so I can finally drive to Dub games again. I just I think John Skipper was throwing that out there. Now, again, he's got many years of being part of these deals, heading up these deals. So I'm not saying he doesn't know what he's talking about. I just don't think that's a very good idea. Here's what I want to know. If you are the money people, which is, in this case, ESPN, What value do you get which makes you want to pay a lot more money by merging the ACC, which you already have a sweetheart deal with. On your end, it's a sweetheart deal. On their end, not so much. By adding Pac-12 that will not include the gold standard, which is USC. Got to remember, folks, let's just repeat something. UCLA is along for the good friend ride here, right? UCLA is not the catch. It's Southern Cal, USC. It's that brand that carries the attractiveness for the Big Ten. That's the brand. And as we know, there's one more year in the Pac-12, and then they're gone. You're on to the Big Ten. Where is the value? If you're ESPN and you're the one who's got the money, you've got the bank account. How is it attractive that now I've got? I don't know. Is 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 Oregon and Clemson? Is that a is that a thing? Do is we pay more because of that? I mean, that would be a pretty cool game to watch, I'll admit. Washington and Florida State. But, I mean, is that worth more millions? Brand-wise. And the other angle here is Oregon and Washington don't even want to be in that league right now. If the Big Ten calls, they'll take less money yesterday to make that move. They're gone. So I don't even know if you can get them to agree to a grant of rights that involved a merger of those two leagues. And if you don't have them agreeing, you've got no deal, I would think. You're even less attractive. Now, Skipper said I would take eight of those teams and once you get rid of the L.A. schools, you're down to 10, is he saying, is Skipper inferring, when he says eight of those teams, is he saying, because you're not going to be able to keep Oregon and Washington? Is that what he's thinking? Maybe that is what he's thinking. Maybe he's assuming that eventually they're going to be in the Big Ten. That might be it. Tommy Myrtle Beach says, tell Topwater Assassin to send me the link, too. I'm in for a good bracket challenge. Good idea. Yeah, we can we can play around there. Yeah, we can do ESPN. I don't, there's no, I mean, <laughs> not, I don't. You're going to have do, doing this. I mean, you're going to have some natural enemies and uh, – I have some. You know, it's it's interesting with ESPN because, and I still have friends there, but the ones that were public, right, like Tess, I'm talking about the powerful ones, or Herbie, and those are two guys you know I like, okay? Not a critique. I love those two guys. And... Talk to those guys all the time through the years. I mean, leave me voice messages when I'm napping at midnight to call them the next morning about a topic. And we would talk all the time. And after the whole thing went down at SiriusXM, that uh, (laughs) what would be the proper term. That faded. Not on my end, on their end. Things got cold. Things got cold. And that was an edict. Yeah, that was an edict from above, without question. And remember, it was the 21 season, and Tess is doing the Boston College game, where his son is the kicker, who grew up listening to me with Tess in the car going to school. And uh, so he was sending me a message after the game because I was talking about Tess is doing the game, et cetera. And Tess and I had not talked in three or four years probably. So I get messages from Tess after that. Hey, man, just checking in, you know, appreciate you mentioning me doing the game and everything. And, uh, and then his son sent me a message. Hey, Bill, love listening to the show and all that. So then I said, hey, good. And we went back and forth a little bit. And then I said, hey, why don't you come on the show sometime? Love to, man. So about two weeks go by, and I DM him, or I think I texted him. Never heard back. <laughs> Never. I mean, crickets. And here's what he was. He was being nice because we've been friends, but he's not going to be able to do that. He didn't want to say it. He didn't want to say it. Because he's trying to be nice. I get it. No, I I, told, I totally understand. This is not out of malice. I like him. I like Herbie a lot. But that relationship had to change. And uh, that was an edict from above when they came in and uh, said, we're going to take this real estate as ours. Noel Kev says, Bill, Miami to Seattle is 3,299 miles. Uh, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Josh has got another Council Bluffs question for me when we come back. I've got a good answer for him, too. I do. I do. We'll be back. Omni Nashville Hotel. Gonna be there tomorrow.
4: Greg Pogue and welcome to the High Valley Conference Basketball Weekly Spotlight presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Drunk driving is the ultimate form of unsportsmanlike conduct. The OVC tournament champions, Southeast Missouri Men and Tennessee Tech Women, both ended long droughts by capturing their first tournament titles since 2000. Semo won its second OVC tournament by winning four games in four days as the number five seed. The Red Hawks are only the second OVC team to accomplish that feat, joining Austin Peay from 2016. Redshirt senior Chris Harris was named turning MVP by averaging 20 points and seven rebounds per game and making 36 of 45 free throws for 80%. He had 29 points in a win over Tennessee State, and the finale against Tennessee Tech hit 11 of 13 free throws and scored 26 points. The NCAA men's selection show is Sunday at 5 p.m. Central on CBS. OVC regular season champion Moorhead State received the league's automatic bid to the NIT and will learn its opponent Sunday night. Tennessee Tech in of the women's tournament as a number three seed and won three straight games to claim its 10th overall title, the most among OVC women's programs. Jada Gwin was tournament MVP after averaging 12 points, four rebounds, and four assists per game for Tech and hitting 63% from the field. She was 5 of 6 from the field and went over number two seed Eastern Illinois and added 12 points in the title win over top seeded Little Rock. The women's selection show is Sunday night at 7 central on ESPN. For complete weekly schedules, including live video links, visit ovcsports.com. To find other news and features and more, follow the league on your favorite social media platforms at ovcsports at at ovcsports.com. You won't believe it until you OVC it. This has been the OVC Basketball Weekly Spotlight presented by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. If you've been drinking, don't drive, and always remember that fans don't let fans drive drunk. I'm Greg Pogue wishing everybody a great week of OVC Basketball. You know, it's never too late to start feeling some March badness. Be sure not to miss out on all the action at the High Valley Conference Basketball Championship presented by United Fidelity Bank as they return to Ford Center in downtown Evansville from March 1st through the 4th as the first week of entries into the NCAA basketball tournaments are crowned. All session tickets and single game tickets are on sale through each OVC school ticket office, Ticketmaster.com, and the Ford Center box office. Visit ovcsports.com forward slash Evansville for more details and be there to OVC it in person.
1: the P5, the G5, or a neutral site game in Council Bluffs, the Bill King Show has it covered.
0: Top Water Assassins. Contest is bracket. Georgia Dog says, I'm in, but I'm going to get Jeff in the burrow to do my brackets because I don't follow so much. Everybody hope I don't win. That would be funny. No, that would be very funny. All right. Josh says, Bill, Buckeyes balls today, 2 o'clock, Council Bluffs. Tennessee is not ready for that. But you're saying they have to play today at two. Buckeyes would be favored by. Uh, let me think. Probably, thirteen points, ten to thirteen. Now again, I'm not your your point spread guy. Uh, that's that's Brad. That's d- d- Rob and the two one zero Johnny Vegas. Those guys know it better than me. But and. It'd be Joe Milton. He's played the Buckeyes before. I don't know that he was very successful because Michigan wasn't beating them then. But I don't know if that would help or not. Nico's just a young guy. He's going to be ready. But no, that would be tough. It'd be a lot of points. It would be Ohio State would win that game. Let me give you the precise score. 38-24, 38 to 24 something like that yeah Tennessee I think has established at least last year now we again we have to carefully watch the follow through but they were a top 10 team last year clearly but you run into a Georgia that's that's tough we saw they were not ready for that smoke. They weren't ready in a number of categories. Number one, the bigness, not bigness, but the bigness of that game. The enormity of that game for Tennessee wasn't an enormous game for Georgia because they're used to those games. This Tennessee team isn't the former team of the late 1990s through 2001. They were used to those games. This team in today's climate isn't used to that. That was big. It was in Athens. The other problem they had is the lines of scrimmage. They were – the only team that that roughed them up on the line of scrimmage was Georgia. Nobody else did. Nobody else did that they played. And Tennessee's athletes, the receivers, which are used to green grass at any time of the day, could not find that green grass against Georgia. And Tennessee's offensive line, which, again, won the day in most every game they played, they were all over Hendon Hooker. That Georgia defensive front, Jalen Carter was back, healthy, and him and and the entire D-line um, had Hendon Hooker in a very uneasy state. So you can be top ten good, but not be ready for that and And that's what happened to them Marvin Harrison obviously would score as many touchdowns as he wanted in a game like that it'd be it'd be tough. Tennessee would put up a lot of yards, but it wouldn't be enough. Yeah, it wouldn't be enough in a matchup of that level I'm from I'm from I'm from yeah that was that was the guy. That- in Council Bluffs. Uh, that, that, was that Josh? Are you the one that grabbed that one, Josh, earlier? Bitcoin Playboy. Bill, what was the better scandal? Herbs and his blonde barstool bunny or Jeff Banks involved in monkey business with the pole assassin? Both of them are are pretty interesting scandals. But the best story, and I'm glad nobody got hurt, meaning physically hurt, was Banks, now with Texas, been there a few years with Sark now, previously was there at Alabama, left his family and his kids, left his wife and kids for this stripper who's got a monkey as part of her show. And they have a Halloween party. For kitties, uh, neighborhood Halloween party, invite all the kids, elementary school kids, etc. And some kid at the party wanders into some area you're supposedly not supposed to go into and gets accosted by that monkey. No, no, for real. Now, again, I'm glad the kid's okay, first and foremost, but that is a funny story. You imagine that? Story on your resume. How did the Halloween party go? Well, it went well, except for my kid got assaulted by a monkey, literally. That's probably the best part. Now, Herb's at his bar, after an NFL game, I guess the next day or something, they they played the Bengals, right? Is that right? Or was it Cleveland? I don't know. He's got his restaurant, bar, whatever that is up in Columbus and Seabus, and obviously came in Nebraska is trying to uh make urban happy is that okay i think it's okay to say that and he's kind of sorta being a willing participant he's trying to be sneaky though <laughs> and that's when mama Shelly, who Josh knows, said, That's it. We're cutting everything off. All social media. I'm not going to be out on social media. I can't take it. Also, Gigi, who runs a fitness club or something down in Florida, she cut it all off, too. The daughter, who's married them, and I don't blame. Staying out in the public in this environment would not have been a good idea. Can you imagine what was said to them? Wow. Omni Nashville Hotel.
4: The
1: afternoon stretch with Zach Williams and Bruno Reagan. When you picked up your first girl
3: in college or at the bar, what do you do for every girl you meet after that? You do the same thing. You're just like this works. So Boy, he's like, well, we just have to keep trying to get back to this. So it, it makes sense to me. That's why every time you go up to a girl's bar, you're just like,
1: please, please, <laughs> please, please. It just worked that one. Afternoon stretch. Afternoon stretch with Zach Williams and Bruno Reagan. <laughs> While working, he eats kale and pets a cat. Bill King is a multitasker.
0: Yeah, I wanted to say thanks again. I got to the station yesterday. And I only get there once a month. And mail was waiting on me. Ken had sent me a Athens long-sleeve tee, which I love, that says Athens and then 706 on it. And also, another commemorative bottle, Coke bottle, which I appreciate, Ken. Sent me another one. Brought another one to Commitments a couple of years ago. Incredibly nice of him. Then I got from Noel Fan in the 863, his name's Todd, a bunch of seasonings the Everglades and then the breadcrumbs. And that was phenomenal. Appreciate him doing that very much. He sent that up. And I just want to thank you guys because. I don't want you to think I didn't I got them and I didn't appreciate it. I just don't get to the station that much. And then also from the high school students who had me on their podcast down from Georgia, I got a nice T-shirt from them and a nice card from them, Reed Black and Company, and I appreciate them. That, those are two sophomores down in Georgia at a high school. They listened to the show and they wanted me on their podcast, which I happily did. Love doing. And, uh, anyways, nice little note from them. So, I just want you guys to know I do appreciate it. I just had not gotten anything. I hadn't been there. And if you happen to be around tomorrow, we're going to be at the Omni. Yeah, the show will be on the road at the Omni. Josh says, okay, Bill, i got another one for you. 95 Nebraska, 21 Georgia. 2021 Georgia. Now, that would be interesting because Georgia doesn't play a team like that, that, with that style, okay, nor does really anybody else. Georgia adapting to that. Now, that 95 team was the most dominant team to win a national championship, bare minimum in the modern era, let's just say the last 50 years, and maybe go back even further. Their average margin of victory was 38 points. They never had a moment in a game where you thought, okay, this might not be a W. There was never a moment at any point in their season where this could get tricky. They need a big break here. There was never a – now, think about this. Your team plays an entire season all the way through the national championship. And at no point was there a moment where you were worried about a loss. As a fan, that's impossible. And that team had Tommy Frazier. It had Lawrence Phillips, Ahmad Green. You know how all those years they always had the running, the fullback that was just a – Six foot, 250 pound. I run through concrete for a living guy. On that team, it was Joel McAvicka, right? I believe. They always had one. Always had a dude that a bulldozing, bullying offensive line and a defense that was wicked. Just loaded, loaded top to bottom. That would be interesting. Now, Georgia is built to play a game like that. Ohio State's not, right? Yeah, Ohio State's not. Georgia is built for that game. That would be interesting. Would Nebraska be able to run their style of play? with an athletic, physical, big-time threat, Tommy Frazier, those running backs against Georgia. And I think they would because of the quarterback. You've got to have a quarterback who is a big threat to carry that through against a team like Georgia. And that would be a generational defense. Nebraska did not play a defense like that Georgia defense either. So it works both ways. That would be interesting. I don't think that game would be a bunch of scoring. Right? I don't think you're going to get in the 30s in a game like that. It may be in the – you may be in a 24 to 21. It wouldn't look like the Florida game in the championship. You wouldn't be able to bully full-time that Georgia defense. No, they could get their yards and their points, but not to the total that they averaged that year. Beating teams by an average again of thirty-eight points, it's like thirty-eight point six. And I think you'd be looking at a game that's probably in the mid twenties. Yeah, I think that's what you'd be looking at. I think you'd be looking at a, a twenty-eight to twenty-four, a twenty-four to twenty-one. Who do I think would win that game? Boy, now see, that's tough. I don't mind any of these because I think it's fun to mentally play along. That one I'm not sure about. If you're a Nebraska fan, I know what your answer is. And if you're a dog, I know what you think too. I get that part. But, wow. They had Christian Peter, Jason Peter on the D-line. Mike Mentor. Was part of that defense. I mean Jay Foreman. Boy, there were so many good players out there talking about Nebraska. That's a good one from John. I I like that. Those are those are fun. Yeah, those are fun mental exercises. Anyways, let's do this. Take a break. Hour three coming up. Jay Book in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to that. On the Nashville Hotel.